Welcome to The Leadership, a business-focused talk show brought to you by The Vested Group. We talk to entrepreneurs, employees, thought leaders, innovators, dreamers, disruptors, and even our own children about what makes us tick on and off the clock. Welcome to this edition of The Leadership Talk Show brought to you by The Vested Group. You can find out more about us at thevested.com. I am Hillary Patterson, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Johnny Zielinski. Thank you. And we have the fortune, a good fortune of being able to interview John Keel today, who I will say is one of the bigger characters at the company. Like, well, thank you. Let's take that as a compliment. Yeah, it, no, that's how it's intended, absolutely. There should, be, there should be a lot of information in this interview, I would think. Um, but let's start at the beginning. How are kind of the beginning. How did you end up at TVG? Um, so I worked for Dell Services for about three years building a NetSuite practice. And uh, Ben Alford, who was our NetSuite rep, uh, I was talking to him after um, basically NTT Data bought Dell Services. And at that point, they shut down their NetSuite practice. So I was looking for something else. I reached out to Ben. Um, and he mentioned the Vesta Group, among a number of other uh, companies that I was looking into, um, and I interviewed about three years ago, um, and I've been here ever since. I had, it's been three years? It's been three years. Oh. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't expect to be here three years, but it's a good company, as we all know, um, and I've enjoyed the work, and I'm still going strong. Yes, I remember your interview, and the funny thing was that it was, it was a busy time. There weren't a lot of people there, and they, so. they sent me in, and they were like, hey, can you just find out about his accounting knowledge? As if... I was an accountant, and I was like, oh. That's the depth. I know, I'm like, okay, and so just ask questions, and you're kind of looking at me like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, I was like, yeah, I think he knows it, yeah, because I was like, my questions were a little too simple, you're like, yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's good. I know what a debit and a credit is, yeah, is that exactly. good enough, Hillary? Exactly. So have you seen this part of accounts before? <laughs> so oh. your, your uh, anniversary was January, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's right. I think it was either January 15th or a little later. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I remember you quite got recently. there right before I did. Yeah. All right. As a matter of fact, I interviewed you. I don't know if you remember. No, I, I do. I was actually, uh, I think we use you and Jennifer, and I. we got sidetracked talking about graphics cards for building our own gaming PCs. That's right. And ARC, <laughs> you know, and MMOs and yeah. all of that. Oh, yeah. I remember. You can derail me really easily, yeah. just like right now, Squirrel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by asking me questions about <laughs> video games. And it doesn't matter what else we're talking about, I will answer. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, tell us about your family, uh, your siblings, you know, um, anything, you know, any, I guess any piece of that. And then where did you grow up? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Northwest Arkansas in a town called Fort Smith. Um, that's where my formative years were, you know, ma mainly uh, late junior high and high school. That's where I met all my friends. Uh, I have uh, now I live in Dallas. I have a wife of you know, 20 plus years, and uh, I have two boys. Uh, Fletcher is 13, and Archer is 11. And they're a lot of fun. And I'll tell everyone out there who's thinking about having kids, they just keep getting better. I mean, so far, maybe there's going to be a plateau, <laughs> but um, every year, you know, I'm uh, happier and happier that I had kids. Um, and, you know, I can't say it was necessarily. Um, an easy decision to make at the time, but I certainly am glad I made it now, for sure. Yeah. Seeing them turn into little people. It yeah, is. like you it's like great. them when they're little, but that's kind of like that's cool to see them grow up and become more, you know. Oh yeah, like more totally functional human beings. Yeah, being. more character and just yeah, what they can do is just fun. Yep. They they do all sorts of cool stuff too, right? They like play games and do like Code Academy and stuff like that. Yeah, they uh, play video games. They spent quite a few summers uh, at uh, UNT. They have an outreach program there where they have summer camps for 
everything from like JavaScript to Game Maker to Makey Makey to circuits and things like that. They really enjoy that as well. Um, and uh, you know, Fletcher plays piano. Archer, I'm going to get him playing guitar. And uh, just because I'm so proud of him, I just want to take this chance to mention that uh, my boy, Fletcher, was recently accepted uh, in classical piano at the Booker T. Washington Music Conservatory here in Dallas. Congratulations, that is a big deal. So, yeah, that is no it was probably one of the things that I really liked about it was that he decided to do it. Um, we didn't tell him that he had to, and he was way behind. And for four months, he practiced four times a day, 20 minutes a day. So anywhere between like uh, an hour and a half and three hours a day for four months. And this kid's only 13 years old. Um, and so I was just happy that he had the, uh, the gumption and the willpower at that age to actually strive for something, right? So even if he hadn't gotten in, I might have been just as happy. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I don't know about it. you, but our, my youngest plays piano and she's in there and she's been doing it for several years now too. So she can play real songs and it's, you know, it's nice to listen to. And I'm, I was like, man, I seem right classy you know when there's like real piano music going on in the background in your home you're like yeah this is it's pretty legit you're moving on up yeah when you get past just like the scales and like the simple songs which most people get stuck at but you know then you're like wow there's like four at least playing in the background you're like we're, we're classy you mean there's more than hot cross modes? well at some point <laughs> yes occasionally there is I actually tried out for booker t for jazz guitar when i was younger and i just want to emphasize again it's no that's oh. not it i didn't get in it's a really difficult yeah uh, competitive acceptance process so congrats again to your we kid. We're really proud of him. Thanks. Yeah, I'm sure it's gotten only more so over the years too. Absolutely. Yep. All right so here's our challenge question for all consultants. What would your mom say you do for a living? That's a good question. Um, you know my mom and dad when I try to tell them what I do they regardless of how well um, I explain it to them, they still don't get it. And honestly, I don't even think they necessarily care. So, uh, <laughs> you know, basically, if someone asked my dad what I do, he said, he's in computers. That's the standard response. Mm -hmm. Inside the computer. Yes. But when I try to explain it to them, you know, to people who don't really understand fundamentally what we do, I usually just say, look, these companies, they spend a lot of money uh, to buy these, these software packages that help them run their business. Um, but whenever they buy these software packages, you know, they don't just come out of the box and you have to figure out what the company does and how they're going to do it and how you're going to tweak that big expensive software package. And the person who helps them figure out how to do that and what to do uh, is me. So that's, that's a pretty how good I answer. Really well said. Yeah, yeah. actually, I'm, I'm impressed with that one. Yep. That's a, that is a good one. So what you would say you do is? Um, like it. if I'm just going <laughs> to sum it up, like in an elevator conversation, yeah. I, I usually or say... Or even to a customer, like if you're going to explain what you do, what do you do? Oh, if, if I'm talking to a customer or a prospect, I'll tell them my specific role, um, which is essentially, you know, helping primarily the finance and accounting um, and supply chain and procure to pay uh, functions, uh, helping map what you do to NetSuite and vice versa. Um, but if, I, if it's an elevator conversation, I'll just say I'm, a, I'm an IT consultant. That kind of usually... People are like, okay, I know enough now. Bye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <I> <laughs> That's what I get I all the time. Five seconds and they're like, ooh. And if you can throw an ERP, then they're, they're out. However, whenever yeah. that comes in, even if it's a first word, they're out. So many people don't know ERP. I mm -hmm. usually, you know, unless they're in the industry, I don't even throw it out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you want to see them get really nervous, just say cloud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, cloud's more uh, broadly kind of understood in, in my mind than even ERP, for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, these days. It's getting there. Yeah, it's, I remember like, yeah, when the Vested first started, even it hasn't, you know, it hadn't been that long, but even back then, 
you, yeah, it was cloud-based, and people were like, oh, because they just didn't trust it, you know. But now it's like now everybody is familiar with it. Yeah. You know, everything's stored in the cloud, and they're like, oh, okay, you know. But being afraid of like not having their own data was was a big deal at the beginning. I know. Yeah, especially a lot of you know bigger companies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Well, um, aside from you know getting paid, why, why do you come into work? Um, I like TBG. Um, I'm not one to talk much about work when when I'm with my friends. You know, I'm like, oh man, my, I just really love my boss or my job or anything like that. But I can I can say with a straight face that uh, this is probably the only company where I will, with uh, with all confidence, say that this is definitely um, probably the best company I've worked for. They care about their employees. Uh, they're willing to give them um, the tools they need. They work with them. They treat them like family, uh, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I've worked a lot of different places. I've been working for more than 25 years. I worked for large organizations, small ones, and everything else. And this one definitely has a unique culture, uh, and they're serious about it. And, um, and like I said, it's a lot of fun. It's a good group to work with. Even you, Johnny. <laughs> Even you. So you say you wouldn't talk about how you love your boss. Who, who is your boss? Who is my boss yeah. now? Uh, mm -hmm. Terry Cole. Oh, okay. Terry Cole. So we should make a note about that. <laughs> it was okay. Matt, but no. <laughs> um, Just kidding. I like how, you know, we always ask everybody, we're like, you know, why do you come to work? And they're like, oh, we love the company. I feel like people watch enough of these videos, they're like looking for like a sniper laser. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's true. There's I mean, I, I you would never hear me say that about any company I've ever worked for. It's usually like, yeah, it's a job, you know, and it pays good bills, a lot of opportunity and all of that. But certainly the lip service I just gave TBG. I've never said about any company I've worked for before. All right. And I do happen to particularly enjoy the specific work I've been doing lately, um, which is kind of uh, data analytics driven um, for one of our customers, Peloton. Oh. Um, and that's a lot of fun, too. It's kind of keeping me going. Yeah, I've seen a lot of cheers for peers uh, go your way lately, I feel like. Yeah, and boy, I tell you, it was a first. Uh, so I had my review with Terry recently, and uh, just at the bottom of his review, he goes, you know, John, um, you were the number one person to receive cheers last month. And I yeah, said, I saw that. I said, wow, <laughs> that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w I was happy to hear that and quite surprised, actually, too. So. Yeah, just a testament to uh, Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, unbeknownst to me, even. So you probably wanted to be in a, a consultant when you were a kid, but... If you could think of another career you were interested in when you were younger, what would it have been? Oh, I had no desire to be a consultant. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang it. And when you say kid, if you're talking about like when I was around 10, I actually, I got kind of close to doing it, but I, I always wanted to be an investment banker, like a Wall Street, big time, you know, mergers and acquisitions. Um, Just a normal kid Investment yeah, banker. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I did go to a school that would allow for that, University of Chicago, graduate school business booth, they call it now. It changed after I went there. Um, but I, while I was there, I kind of realized that it's, you know, it's certainly lucrative, um, certainly glamorous in some ways, but, you know, working a hundred, uh, you know, hundred hours a week on spreadsheets was not something that was really Is it like Wolf of Wall Street? Me. What's that? Is it like Wolf of Wall Street? Um, well, those guys are more like, uh, they sell stocks and bonds right. and things like that. The guys that I wanted to emulate were the guys who, like, for example, if one company, one big billion-dollar company wants to buy another billion-dollar company, they would hire, like, Goldman Sachs to say, okay, well, how much should I pay for it, and how do we structure it, and, you know, what's the valuation, and, um, you know, 
and all of that fun stuff. So it's not actually that fun, though, I guess is my point. Uh, At least yeah. that's I what I someone decided. had the same childhood dream as me. Yeah. That's yeah. really crazy. Uh, I yeah. also wanted to be in acquisitions and mergers. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, it was, it was quite a change for me because when I went to Booth, that's what I was going to do. It didn't help also that I graduated in 2002, um, and that was the year where the... Um, the, the bubble burst and the stock oh. market crashed um, and a lot of those jobs weren't as readily available either so that might have had part something to do with my uh, decision not to go down that investment banking road I'll but anyway that well. that's what I'll I wanted to do well. a glimpse into the mind yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what's your you guess we just talked about in the beginning you've been here like three years mm -hmm. what's your favorite workplace tradition so far I guess we've been out of the office for about a year but COVID. we're pre-covid <laughs> yeah, pre yeah I, <laughs> I liked the, um, like every year at the start of the baseball season, um, you know, Joe buys everybody tickets and we all go to the baseball game together. Um, and, you know, I enjoy sports. I want my boys to appreciate them, but I don't enjoy them enough to kind of drag them out as often as I should. So it's always a good excuse um, to kind of get the boys out there, let them to see the stadium, uh, let them to see why it is that, you know, sports are fun and everybody likes them. Um, and uh, and plus, it's just you know a lot of fun hanging out with the TVG crew. Well, so. you just used the the TVG tickets, right? So they're they're pretty good this year. That's all the food. I and heard they're awesome. Oh, that's right. From you sent yeah. you sent something out. Yeah. I mean, we we're still you know Joel had gone. Did you go with him? That well, time? we yeah we went the first time, but but he didn't. He hadn't I guess read everything exactly, so we didn't realize that any of that stuff was available at first. And so we so then like listening people talk behind us, and I was like they're definitely talking about like benefits. And he, so he finally looked it up. You were the first one to get to use them. We, we were treading unknown water still yeah. a little bit. You know, we kind of had what Joel told us, but you could order stuff to your seats, and we weren't, you know, I it was so busy. awesome. But they I have, know. like, the place you can eat before, too. There's this, like, yeah. Right before you walk to the seats, like, literally at the top of the stairs was, like, this club that free food and drinks in. I mean, it was, it was a, I went with three buddies, and they've been texting me, like, every day since asking when I'm going to get tickets again. It was a great time. So. That's, you know, one of the things that always, that, that I dislike the most about going to a live sporting event is, you know, I take the time to go, I spend the money to go, and then I end up sitting in line in a concession mm. for like 15 minutes for a concession while I'm missing a game. Yeah. And even if it's during halftime or something, I still hate standing in line. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the idea yeah. of there was ordering food. Like sometimes that's crazy how expensive yeah. stuff is, yeah. 10 minutes to come to your seat and honestly going walking up to the club and then getting something to eat and drinks took like, I'm not joking, maybe two or three minutes. That's awesome. So there was yeah, so sign, up. sign up when, I will. when the tickets are out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, good tradition. Baseball, I like it. Yes, that's a that's definitely close to the hearts of some of us. My oldest plays baseball, loves it. So, what do you wish that people uh, knew about you outside of work or even inside work, whatever? Your well, I don't know that I necessarily wish people knew this about me, but uh, most people find it entertaining. I'm a I'm a part owner of a legal mar medical marijuana grow operation uh, in uh, McAllister, Oklahoma. So as soon as they legalized medical marijuana about two and a half years ago, a friend of mine reached out to me and, you know, through different uh, channels, we ended up uh, finding a couple of partners um, and put a deal together and, uh, and it's, going, it's going well. It's not super lucrative yet, but um, everything's set up and uh, operationally running and we're hoping to make some profits at some point in the near future. What is the... What is the scale? I mean, it's not outside, so it's probably not acres, right? So, like, so the how, the how license is, is tied to a property, um, and oh. the property is owned by one of the partners, and it's it's big. It's like seven acres, but uh, the, our business model is essentially we buy 
um, eight foot by 40 foot cargo containers, like the ones you see on the ships. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, essentially we just put them down on his property. We run electricity, we put in insulation, um, <laughs> we put in HVAC, uh, and, we and we put in the grow lights. Um, and then we run, yeah, we run power from the box and then um, we basically grow ideally about five, maybe six crops a year if we can get the rotation down right. Um, so we have five of those, and plus we uh, recently changed our business model. We have kind of these larger prefab buildings. They're called Davis buildings, um, and they're about, uh, interestingly enough, they're each 420 square feet apiece. That was not <laughs> deliberate, but uh, it did kind of tickle me when I did the measurements. But, yeah, they're about 420 square feet apiece, but much the same model, but they just come with the electricity built out and the insulation there's a lot that we don't have to do and it's a bigger footprint um and it's so like a greenhouse it's like a it's just an actual structure completely enclosed structure yeah. that's right it's an indoor grow is what they call it that's yep. interesting and you know if you get rated i guess you could just load them all up and drive off too so. <laughs> well the good news is we don't get they're rated. rated yes theoretically it's yeah. funny you should mention that just anecdotally you know when we first, you know, got into the business and we're talking to investors, a lot of the investors, they're really concerned about security. Like, what are you going to do? And, you know, you're going to have a fence around the place and you're going to have security systems installed. And what they probably, what I know that they couldn't get their head around is that, you know, if someone comes and robs me, I call the cops. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't get that. They're like, wait a minute, we, we can't call the cops. No, yes, you can. It's legal. So wait, I would call the police. The, the state doesn't mandate you have some security to keep people from coming and stealing it, though? Oh, they absolutely do. Yeah, there yeah. are controls, uh, mandatory controls like in place. <laughs> or are you thinking about maybe driving up there and well, no, on yourself? You know, it seems like something they would want you to secure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we have, we have cameras that are 24-7. We have an internet connection that basically gives us a live feed. Um, all the doors are locked and it's on private property. The keel cam. Um, yeah, yep. exactly. As a matter of fact, yeah, I can, I can, so I can look at my cam. I can, I can control the HVAC from here. I can control the, uh, you know, I can look at the, uh, the relative humidity from within the unit from here. I can look at the cameras all from my cell phone. How often do you have to, to travel to it? Well, I was up there just last weekend. Um, it, on and off, I, I try to get up there at least once every month but realistically i get up there on the weekends about once every two months yep that's interesting there you have it tvg's very own pablo escobar <laughs> you'll actually be able to see john he's featured in season five of narcos I, yeah i think oh, i don't know about that but seven acres because see i was that's that's a good answer though because i'm like 700 acres i mean you're like yeah. cotton oh, right yeah. those are those thousand are acres he's out there in his yeah. bathrobe yeah. <laughs> so i guess <laughs> let me see so we have uh each of them eight by 40 that's 320 times five um, square feet plus the two new ones, total of 840. So whatever that adds up to, that's about how many square feet of grow space that we have. It, yeah, yeah, three. Yep. A little bit. All right. All right. So aside from being a farmer, what do you do? Uh, what do you enjoy doing when you're not at work? Um, pretty much anything I can do with my boys when I have time. You know, they're definitely even at an age where they still like spending time with me. Uh, and they're pretty cool, and I very much enjoy spending time with them. So we do, you know, we play board games. Uh, I'm kind of a gaming nerd from back in the day. Um, so we play, you know, Settlers of Catan and all those standard board games. Um, and then we play uh, Pathfinder, which is Dungeons and Dragons, which I grew up on in high school. So they really like it, and um, it's just it's just awesome spending time with them because I know that, uh, you know, before before I know it, they're they're going to be out of the house, and I won't have this opportunity to spend as much time with them. So yep. I would actually say too that that's 
probably one of the reasons that I'm still with TVG was because of really good work-life balance. And, you know, in addition to the fact that I do very much enjoy working for TVG, um, it gives me the flexibility to, to spend time with my boys. A lot of jobs I've had in the past require much more than, you know, 40 to 45 hours a week, um, especially when I was in a senior leadership position, you know, and you can be taken away at any time. Yeah. Um, and so this uh, gives me the opportunity to, you know, do things I want to do while I can do them. So awesome. You've been, you've been home a lot too, I'm sure. If your kids, did they go back to school? Yeah, my kids, uh, they were they were at home for a very long time doing homeschooling. They had a pretty good homeschool experience, if you want to call it homeschooling, um, virtual learning virtual, experience yeah, yeah. compared to a lot of others. Um, but interestingly enough, they were, they were absolutely ready to go back. Um, and it's funny because I don't think I'll ever hear them say, I don't want to go to school. I wish I could stay at home. They were ready to go back. Yeah. There's no doubt. It is better, yeah. much better. Yeah. So uh, this might be a good one for you to uh, set you up here, put the expectations high. Sure. What is the what would you say is one of the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Well, um, I I guess you could call it funny. So I got a, a new car, um, just a, a kind of a crossover. Uh, it's an MX30, a Mazda MX30. Anyway, it's been about three years. As a matter of fact, I got my last new car shortly after I started uh, work at TVG. Yeah, I remember. I was actually just about to bring that up. I was like, mm -hmm. you just got one when we met. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was a three-year lease, and it was up right around my three-year anniversary, so I just leased another one. Um, but what? So I was in McAllister just last weekend, you know, my brand-new car, and it started hailing. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness, um, I need to pull over underneath, you know, an awning or some sort of overhang until it passes. So I pull over into what I thought was a perfectly open and normal convenience store and it's raining so hard you can barely even see the ground and as it turns out they were digging these massive ditches that I couldn't see because they were filled with water mm -hmm. so just out of the blue I'm just kind of driving along trying to figure out where I'm going to go to the awning and boom my car falls into just a, a huge deep ditch and then I hit the gas and I roll out of it and I'm like and I was shaking and then boom it happens again and I roll out of it and next thing you know I completely and I wasn't even going very fast I'm talking maybe three to five miles an hour but that fall was hard enough that it busted my left front tire so my brand new car oh, man. and I bust my left front tire so I basically just rolled down the road and had to repair my tire which I, I hadn't replaced a tire in 25 years so I'm glad I remembered how to in a hailstorm too so that was yeah. yeah so no level. no wheel damage um you know that i haven't actually fixed it yet so i haven't taken too close a look at the wheel it did not look bent up yeah. although i would guess my alignment's probably shot sure yeah, so i'm gonna good. have to get that fixed it's a heck of a pothole you hit dude i know going three <laughs> miles an hour it was it was shocking because it just was out of the blue you know? yeah so anyway Gosh. so that's if you want to call it funny i thought it was kind of funny you can laugh about it now and i in an <laughs> ironic sort of way <laughs> <laughs> okay she was um, so we finish this interview <laughs> and we step outside this office uh, and you you find a lottery ticket for 15 million dollars uh, what are you doing with that money aside from fixing your car <laughs> investing in your yeah your, your um, you know yeah. first thing I do is you know pay off my my debts um, just to give me peace of mind but that wouldn't take too terribly much of the 15 million you'd be happy to know half. <laughs> about yeah. half yeah <laughs> I'm highly leveraged <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, first thing I do is pay off my debts. Next thing I would do is I would, uh, you know, we talked about this a little before, but I'd, I'd hire somebody to do kind of a lot of the things that nobody really likes to do around their house. Mm -hmm. You know, basically somebody to come and do the cleaning that never seems to get done. And then some of the stuff that I have to routinely do, like laundry, yeah. um, that would be the first thing. 
second thing I should say. Uh, and then the third thing is, is um, I'd plan like a three month uh, European vacation with my wife and my two boys. And I'd just show them all the cool spots, you know, anywhere in Europe, probably the big places, you know, London, Paris, maybe some Eastern European locations, take them to Rome, um, you know, Spain, and just uh, kind of give them the whirlwind tour in three months. You get a lot done in summer. three months. Yeah. Yeah. But you can hit up Cindy's place in, in Rome. That's right. Yeah. What was that? Hit up Cindy's place in Rome. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Free, free lodging. Yeah. Benefit that she's always offering up for us. Definitely take advantage of that. And if we could just get over there, right. we'd all be on it, right? So not even so much getting there. It's just the time, you know? Yeah. It's, just, well. it's, it's difficult to coordinate with, you know, kids' school and, you know, my work schedule, the wife's work schedule, and, you know, a number of other obligations. And the inability to buy tickets to Europe. Yeah. So that's also. What is there still uh, a limitation on it in I terms checked. of? Is there really? So, I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! I did not know that. I and think... that too, then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the physical getting there. Okay, so if you had to pick one song to be played when you entered a room, <laughs> forever, what would it be? Um, this may sound a little strange, and I can give a little background if you want, but it would be "Hallowed Be Thy Name" by Iron Maiden. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you know, I grew up. Uh, I kind of found uh, metal, if you will, like when I was uh, late high school, you know, so Iron Maiden and pretty much any of the hair bands and Guns N' Roses and all of that. And I've actually kind of moved on and oddly enough, I now listen to more extreme versions of that, but I still love those songs. And that was probably the one that, you know, Iron Maiden is probably one of my favorite bands of all time. And that was the song that I heard that made me love them initially. Um, and I still listen to them even to this day. And uh, every time I hear that song, I mean, I have to turn it way up. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's got, you know, everything you want in, in metal. Um, Bruce Dickinson's a great singer. Adrian Smith on guitars is magnificent. Um, and it's got this galloping kind of bass rhythm that goes throughout it all. And it tells a good story of a man who's on the gallows awaiting um, his final hours. So. It's kind of cool. I just like it. We definitely it. make an impact in the room, though, for sure. So that's a good Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. plus, everybody around me hates it, and I like to, you know, get under their skin. So, you know, okay. that's part of it, too. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> and a plus. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Rene is his answer, I think, is like, in my opinion, and that's like, that should be the answer for like, everybody should aspire to give for when we ask him, like, what song is going to be their, like, like walking song. The heart, like, like a yeah, middle. Yeah. The, the background and the depth and, like, ah, the information true. behind it. We get a lot of people that are like, uh, fireworks by Katy Perry. Because oh, you know. <laughs> like, it's a small world. It's an earworm, and they would never, they would, you know, they wouldn't be able to get you out of their mind. Yeah. Give me that background. <laughs> What's going on here? All right. So uh, Joel mysteriously disappears tomorrow. Your CEO. What are you doing? Um, let me see. One thing I would I would struggle to do is kind of maintain. Um, the, the culture, not to, you know, use that word um, too frequently, but uh, it's important to him and it's important to everyone else in the organization. So doing what I could do to kind of at least maintain that as best I could in his vision, um, I would definitely try to, uh, I, I'd try to implement that in any way possible. I'm not exactly sure uh, who that would be um, helping me do that or how I would go about it, but that would be the important thing. Second thing I would do would likely be uh, you know, I know the management at TVG has been talking for a long time about, you know, productizing, um, shrink wrapping products. And uh, I'd, I'd likely hire somebody uh, full time, like an MBA, to think about some products. Uh, because certainly, you know, consulting is a, is a it can be lucrative. Um, but uh, ultimately, if you want to kind of scale um, 
and uh, kind of make some income without basically having to hire additional bodies. Um, having some intellectual property is definitely a way to do that. And I think the only way you're ever going to be able to do it is if you have somebody doing it full time. Um, aren't, aren't you an MBA? Uh, yeah, as a okay. matter of fact, <laughs> but not necessarily yeah. full time. Um, mm -hmm. But and by the way, I'm not making a distinction there. But yeah, I've talked to uh, yeah, I've talked to Mac a little bit about it, um, and we are looking into doing some product development. And mm -hmm. you know, I do know about a lot about it, so I'm looking forward to it. But you know, the challenge is again, you know, how do you kind of carve out the time uh, mm -hmm. in order to do it? Um, and I haven't quite figured that one out yet. But you know, certainly it's on the radar. Yeah, that's a good yep. answer. John, appreciate your time today. Thanks. Coming this out is here, fun. I appreciate you, uh, yeah. appreciate you inviting me. This yeah. is uh, our pleasure. Thanks for making it. Um, thank you for joining us uh, for another episode of the Leadership Talk Show. You can find out more about what we do at thevested.com. And if you want to see more episodes like this one, you can go to, the, uh, go to YouTube <laughs> and you can search uh, the leadership or just the Vested group. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. See you next time. <laughs>